Welcome to another episode of First Up. I'm Brian White, joined as always by Jasmine Jaden Gonzalez. Hey, y'all. On today's episode, we are joined by Claudia Ali and Olivia Sanchez to discuss ways to be supportive to your students as parents and learning how to advocate in a respectful manner. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of First Up. We are here today with Olivia Sanchez and Claudia Ali. I will pass it on to them so they can introduce themselves. Hello, everyone. My name is Olivia Sanchez. I am a first-generation college student, or I was a college student, a first-generation college student. I currently work at the Illinois Student Assistance Commission, also known as ISAAC, and I am a Career Pathways Initiative Specialist. Hi, everyone. My name is Claudia Ali, and I currently work at the Illinois Student Assistance Commission. I am a parent outreach coordinator, and my job is to work with parents. And this episode is focused on parents going through or supporting their students through the college going process. So since we are talking about parenthood, right, can you guys both share how old your current kids are, if you don't mind? Sure. I have two kids, a female who is 25 years old and a soon-to-be 11-year-old son who is in fifth grade. Mm. And I do have two boys. Uh, So the first one is a senior high school student, and the other one is in seventh grade, who is uh, 13 years old. Oh, so like a a middle school and then a high school and then a... Post adult. adult. Okay, thank you for sharing. So, talking about having students in high school, Claudia, you have a current senior in high school and you already went through that, Olivia. Talking about your student in high school, how was it or has it been supporting them through that college going process in general? Were there things that were challenging or things that you found easier than expected or just share a little bit about that because I'm curious about your experience as a parent through that. I took my experience to teach my daughter. So when I went to high school, my parents didn't sit down and help me choose classes. We didn't talk about career exploration, what I wanted to be, where I wanted to go to college, college applications, college, anything. So with my daughter, since freshman year of high school, we sat down after her first year because there were specific classes that she had to take her freshman year. So in the middle of her freshman year, we sat down and discussed, okay, what is it that you want to be? What is it that you're looking to explore that you want to career path that you want to get into? And then what classes do you need to take in high school going into your sophomore year? She was interested in occupational therapy. And so A lot of the sciences classes were the ones that we were adamant about making sure she took. She had really strong math understanding and interest in it. And so we encouraged her to take AP classes around that and then supported her whenever she had a hard time with anything. It was finding the resources, tutoring and assistance and help to help her navigate and help with getting through those difficult obstacles and changes and things like that. And so that was a cycle that we just repeated. The good thing with the school that she went to in the suburbs, the South Suburbs, was that since freshman year on Martin Luther King Day, they had um, 
tours to go to different colleges. And so she started going and went to different schools throughout. So on the North, I remember her going to Northwestern, to NIU, to a number of different schools. And then we had discussions about that. Do they have the program that you're interested in? Where are the schools that you want to go for occupational therapy and things like that? So let's look into where are the different regions or schools that offer that program or any bachelor's towards that. And we discussed, you know, in order for you to get career paths towards it, you're going to need a master's in this occupation. And so we started to look into, you know, kind of long-term planning and stuff like that. Real quickly, because you mentioned a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about was, when did you start having those conversations from the beginning, like before she started high school or when? Since she started elementary school, since she elementary? was in early on. very early on, we wow. had the expectation that you're going to go to college. Every time she had a hard time with any subject, specifically reading, I remember her being in like first grade or kindergarten. I remember kindergarten. She hated me for it. We went to parent teacher conference oh. and her teacher, I asked her teacher, she's not having any homework. Why isn't she having any? mom? <laughs> why are you asking the teacher to give me homework? That was the I set the expectation. So she got good grades throughout and she knew she was self-motivated. She knew what my expectation was, which was something that my parents never did. We never had books at home. We didn't go to the library. We didn't do these things. And these are all things that I went. There was no like pressure. There was no like, hey, you know, it's just like you do whatever you want kind of thing. But with your daughter, you were like, no, like I'm going to be on you. But that was part of the immigrant parents. My parents didn't speak the language. They didn't know the region. They didn't know the school system. They were cautious and worried about us going even to the Boys and Girls Club to participate in extracurricular activities or any athletic sports or anything. So I couldn't join any sports unless I had cousins doing it. And the female cousins Mm. weren't participating, just the male cousins were, and I couldn't Mm. do that. Mm. So for me, when I became a mother, I distinctly remember, what is it that I'm going to pass on? What are the changes that I'm going to do as a mother? Now that I know this information, what was done with me that I want to change and and do for my kids. And that mm-hmm. was in all aspects of life mm-hmm. with religion, with education, primarily because that was the way in which I got to shape her and provide information for her. So I had frank conversations about everything, her body, like anatomy discussions. You were very open. I was very open. That's awesome. Because, <laughs> no, I, I get it. My, my mom was like, okay, as long as you have food on the table, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> uh, and then you mentioned she went to college visits. So did you go with her? Did you, how was that? Or were, were you okay with that? Like, how did you feel about her going, you know? It was that? at least one bus full of students at the high school that all went with the school counselor. So they, we signed permissions because it was a day off from school and they had to get up early to get on the bus to get to where their destination was. We had a list of the schools that they were going to. So we had discussions about, do you want to visit this school? Are you interested in this one? What interests you about it? So it wasn't just about going on the trip because it was a commitment. This is your day off. You're going to have to get up early like you would or earlier than you would to go to school. You're going to get dropped off and then you're going to get picked up. And then it was, what questions are you going to be asking? Who else is going? Do you need lunch? I mean, there was a whole discussion about the whole planning process. So we had a clear understanding as what was going to go on. Plus, it was also a time for her to hang out with her friends from school, outside of school, and them to see themselves on the campus, whether or not they had the same interests. She actually found out that one of the other girls was interested in physical therapy. So they ended up clicking and they ended up going to the same school outside the state. Yeah, that's so nice. So also like that college going identity, right? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And what about you, Claudia? 
So for me, I feel like Olivia and I share a lot of similarities. The only difference I feel is I came here when I was 18. So I was born and raised in Mexico until the age of 18. I came here and I feel like I'm still new and navigating the system. With my son being a senior high school, it's been very difficult and challenging because I feel like I don't have enough resources to help them, even though I help you know, parents, you know, preparing in this uh, situation. But it's been very difficult, even though I went to college and I uh, graduated from college here in the US, it's is different, right? I didn't follow the same steps as other high school students. For me, when I came here, I have to learn English, then I have to um, get my GD, the high school diploma, right? And then when I felt I was ready with my English, that's when I started, you know, taking college classes. So the way I started college is completely different from how it is, you know, with traditional high school students. So every day, I'm, you know, reminding him of the things that he needs to do. Similar to Olivia's daughter, like I push him to go to uh, college visits and things like that. So um, when he was in his second year, I decided to sign him up to go to a college store. And he's like, why do I have to do this? I'm barely in the second year, right? And I was like, you know, the earlier we prepare, the better for you. So you asked him as a sophomore in high school right? to yes. go mm-hmm. on a college visit. Yeah. How did you feel about that? I was really nervous. Um, there was a group of like, I want to say like 10 parents, and then there was more students, right? Because sometimes students go on their own. And I felt like I needed to ask questions because a lot of parents were just like walking by and surprised about the nice rooms and nice this and that, but they were not really asking questions. And I was the first one who started asking questions. And my son is like, why are you asking questions? You're the only one, just don't do it. And I'm like, no, I'm going to ask questions because those are the things that I get worried about, right? How much is the tuition? How much is this? What does the security look like? You know, because those are things that I care about. What if you leave or you end up going to the dorms? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think just a tidbit about my experience because I'm hearing you guys, I'm like, yeah, like my mom didn't necessarily push me to go to college visits, but I saw other kids going to college visits and I'm like, oh, cool. Like I not only get time away from class, but I get to explore a campus and I've never been on a campus before. So I thought that was super cool. So I just went to go to just see what that was all about. But yeah, I, I had no clue what to ask. So I would hypothetically, right, if I had an adult guiding me, during that or attending that with me it would have been nice because I mean looking after the fact yeah you do want to know how much tuition is you do want to know like what time are the cafeterias open what time do they closed is there a security code for these things like thinking about things after the fact like that would have been nice but I will say as a student I didn't think about that um <laughs> but yeah no so I, I appreciate you guys for doing that for your kids because I wish I would have had that But at the same time, I feel like when you are behind them all the time, I feel that they rely on you a lot. Mm. They don't do their job Mm. Um, as a student. I remember when I was my son's age, I was already working a full-time job. Like I mentioned, I came here when I was 18 without knowing the language. So I had to find a job and I'm the second oldest of eight. So I have to help my parents. So I was working a full-time job and I was not making much back then, but I was helping some way, right? Mm-hmm. You're so, making your own money, right? right? <laughs> I was making my own money. Becoming and, more responsible. Right. 
And then I know you two kind of talked about it a little bit, how different your paths were compared to your children. But can you all kind of discuss maybe like a community for parents? Is that something that you wish you had or is that something that you did have? Like just to learn from other parents or teach other parents. So, for instance, Jasmine, I know you're a parent as well of younger kids. But for a community of parents, like if Jasmine, I know your kids are younger, but once they get older and they are going through high school and they're transitioning to college, is that something that you all wish you had, like a community to help other parents? For me, when my daughter was in elementary school and in a middle school and high school, she went to different schools. So she started off at parochial schools until first grade. And then she went to public school from second grade on, and it was in the, in the Western suburbs. So she shifted a little bit. What I did was engage with the teachers, the principals, and some of the parents. So I've always had connections wherever my kids have gone with some of the parents that are when you're friends with my son or my daughter in school. Part of that is so that there's a sense of let me check in on your child or we can reciprocate or whatever. And that's the sense of community because then if there's an issue with my son recently, he's like, oh, I forgot my math book. We'll call one of your friends or let me call their parents and see if they could take a picture of the class assignment and then we can do it or replicate it at home. And that's kind of a sense of community. It's not a formal kind of parent group like we have with the bilingual parent councils or committees and stuff like that because they have more formal things, but this is just an in- informal way of just connecting and checking in with other parents, checking in with, hey, did you hear about this going on at the school? Are you going? Are you participating? My son is having a hard time or my daughter's having a hard time with this. How is your son or daughter doing? And then I have those discussions with my kids as well. I've had them like, if you're having a hard time, is anybody else in the class having a hard time? Especially when kids complain about, oh, my teacher doesn't understand me. Oh, my teacher's, you know, is too hard. They're not listening or I raise my hand and they ignore me. I want to participate. I want these things. And when I have parent-teacher conferences, these are the times in which I bring these things up. Anything really that my kids need or whatever, I presented. You know, up until this year, my child, my son, the youngest, has had straight A's. He got a C in Mm -hmm. English language arts recently. And I was like, whoa. Hmm. And, you know, there's a, a new curriculum. It was discussed at the beginning of the year. The teacher's teaching it different. So there's a learning curve. And so we had hmm. a discussion. Okay, we're, we're trying to catch up. What are, what are the things that we need to do? How can we help support you? I had a parent-teacher conference recently and had that discussion also with the teacher. Okay, he's here. This is the first time he's had this. How can I better support him? What applications are there online since he takes a laptop home? Or what other things can I incorporate in order for me to help him? So it's kind of figuring out what allies or or people can I connect with to be able to do it where there may not be necessarily a formalized group to be able to do it. But it's making sure that you're always advocating for your kid. That's beautiful. What about you, Claudia? Is it the same thing or a little different? I feel the same thing. I feel like having a support group is very important. And that's what we try to provide to parents, right? Um, Letting them know that there are people there who can support them through this process. A lot of the times you notice that parents just leave their authority 
to the professors, right, without forgetting that you are the first teachers at your house, right? And that is something that we deal with. And the same thing happened with my parents. Like, you know, they would send you to school and they would forget about everything else, right? My child is in good hands. They're going to go with uh, the teachers and the teachers were in charge of everything. But no, this is not the way it should be. As a parent, you are the first teacher and you should look for those resources around you, whether it's through the school or through churches or through nonprofit organizations to make sure that you're going to have those resources for your children. You mentioned the amount of trust parents put on our education system to prepare our kids and teach our kids to be ready for life after high school, right? Whatever that might look like. And it can be astonishing sometimes of how how much trust, like I don't even know how to emphasize trust that we put on the education system. And I'm curious to know how y'all feel about that and how it prepared or didn't prepare or hiccups or great things came out. Like I'm curious to know how y'all felt on our education system preparing your student for life after high school. Because essentially that's the goal, right? So I just, I really was interested, Claudia, on your comment of, you know, we do look to authority. And I'm a parent myself. They're toddlers, but I do feel like I put a lot of trust, right, in our system to support my kids and myself in their education, right? It's an education system for a reason, right? But we don't always question the practices. We don't always question the things they do. Not always, sometimes, and I'm starting to, I am starting to condition myself to like ask more and speak up because just because they're in an education system doesn't mean that it is working for my, my child. So I'm, I'm just learning that. And I I mean, I have little ones, right? But y'all have been doing this for some time. So I'm curious to know what your experience, how you guys felt about that. In my case, I feel that it shouldn't be that way. Just an example, like recently, my son came home and he was kind of like disappointed and I knew something was going on. And I keep asking, you know, what is wrong? Is Was there something wrong at school? And he keep telling me, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Until like late at that night, uh, he came to me and said, you know, I'm very disappointed. And, and I was like, why? He said, oh, because we had our career assessment, which, you know, they test you or they give you up like a it's not a test, right? Um, an assessment, a questionnaire, a questionnaire to see if you don't know what you want to study. Like, what are you good at, right? And the results that he got uh, were that he can study like either to be a plumber, a roofer, a painter, like all the vocational careers that he is really not interested in. I hate those questionnaires. Right. It it, it gives a student the idea of like, hey, I should go into this. Right. And so one of the counselors talked to him and said, oh, look, so now in case you are not sure of what you want to do, you can focus on this. I'm sure you, you can do good on this. And I was like, I mean, these assessments are good in one way. But if you think those are not the things that you want to do, you don't have to necessarily focus on them. Like these assessments are not going to define who you are. So my job as a a parent is to help him find something else that he could do, right? Because nobody knows your children better than you do. Mm -hmm. That's so true. 
I've learned early on that you, it's it's a give and take relationship, and I learned that, and I think this is what Claudia was alluding to the the authority and the surrendering yourself to teachers or just you know physicians or whoever is better educated than you is the perception that we received as students from our parents. Can you, the quotations of better educated than you quotations, like, cause yes. I, I got to emphasize that. Sorry. Well, my, my mother and my parents, I remember when my mother would take me to the doctor and the doctor would, you know, do tests or whatever, have the discussion in the, in the, in the clinic. And my mother would either ask questions, not follow up or not clearly understand what was going on. And when, asked about it. It was like, well, they said this and they said that. And there was no question. The same thing with parent-teacher conferences. Oh, they said this and this and that. But there was never a follow-up on what can I do better? Where can there be improvement? And so I learned from seeing those things. What also helped me was early on when I was 17, I started working for a nonprofit that was in health education. And my education there really opened my eyes as to what was going on, the history of health education, hospitals and things like that, and advocating for yourself. And so that was why when my daughter started school, I asked things and questioned things. Recently with my son, I had an issue with the teacher spelling his last name. His last name has two T's in it. They only put one T in it. I was drilling into my son, you have to spell your name since kindergarten. When you write your name, it has two T's in it. You're spelling everything out, writing everything out. The teacher leaving out one letter. He told me, mommy, that's not my last name. It's missing a letter. And that to me was like, it was heartfelt. He's advocating for himself. The least I could do is speak up for him. So I sent emails to his teacher. The principal did the same thing. The school nurse did the same thing. I corrected all of them in communication and said, you know, when you address me, this is how you can address me. Because it's a give-take relationship. They're not better than me. We are both at the same level. Our Both of our missions at the school is to educate these kids. They may not be yours that you take home, but the little that you do know of them, the end game is to make sure that they excel, they learn, and move on to the next grade. And so if we're the community, if we relate that, then we're the same. It doesn't matter that you have a PhD and I only have a high school degree or even less because my mother only had a sixth grade education, not even a sixth grade education because in, in Mexico, you graduate at sixth grade. She didn't even graduate. My father had less than that first grade. So for me, it was important that, no, there's a respect that's given and taken. You don't just, I'm not going to give it to you if you don't give it to me. Yeah. yeah no, and you know, real quickly, what you said made me think of how much influence teachers have on our students and our kids and they have access to them for such a long time in the day. And I'm just thinking like, because I have the same issue, right? Where my daughter, Juliana, her teacher was calling her Julie instead of Juliana at school. And I'm like, no, her name is Juliana. She's like, oh, but she likes to be called Julie. And I'm like, well, you're teaching her that her name is Julie. Her name is not Julie. It is Juliana. So I was very ticked off about that. My husband was like, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's not fine because she's teaching her that her name is Julie. So she responds more to Julie. Anyways, long story short, her teacher had so much influence on her. So parents out there, definitely our teachers have a lot of influence on our kids. And, you know, they say um, kids enact what they see. Right. Mm -hmm. I take that to heart because I have toddlers and she is grasping everything. 
So definitely, I think it's so important to speak up and you you guys really inspire me to, as she gets older, I gotta, you know, put my foot down and be like, excuse me, ma'am, her name is Juliana, okay? (laughs) I think it's important to just even starting off early with your children, making sure that they are advocating for themselves. I know Jasmine, in your case, they're younger, so you have to advocate for them, but they're learning from you and they're seeing that you're advocating for them. So that's important. And that is inspiring hearing both of you talk about that. It's good practice to get into. I mean, my son's name is not easy. His first name is Arabic, Nasir. I've heard so many mispronunciations of his name and he is adamant about correcting it. No, it's this Mm. and no, it's that. Good for him. That's good. I think a lot of people don't want to correct a lot of older students. Mostly if someone says their name wrong, they just like whatever to it. Especially someone in authority. Exactly. Yeah. They just say whatever and just go about their day. But I think it's important to Mm -hmm. correct that right then and there so that you have that respect, like you mentioned earlier. Or even reminding them, it doesn't matter if you're young. I mean, yes, of course, respect authority, respect your elders. But at the same time, if they're wrong, like if they're mispronouncing your name, I'm sorry, excuse me, but my name is pronounced X, Y, and Z, right? There's always a way of coming about it. And I think that there's a... A gray line, right? Don't be disrespectful, obviously, but also don't be disrespected. But that's also a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. That's also a cultural thing. Like we we had those discussions with some of the parent groups when we had them because we, we need to culturally look at the things that in the way that, that we were brought up. Like we were brought up to say perdón or, or mm-hmm. what was excuse the other me, word? sorry, disculpa. Like yeah. it, you know, no, because it's rude, right? This this perception of you're being rude or prude mm-hmm. if you're you know speaking right. up to authority, especially if you have little girls. Mm. When a little girl is very verbal, if she is opinionated, there's all kinds of names that are called. But if a boy does the same thing, there's a completely different standard. Mm. I had that discussion with my daughter. It was like, no, this is what it is. It doesn't matter. With my son, I have discussions about he's biracial. Uh, He presents more as African-American. And I've had discussions about that. You know, the way that you're perceived that people look at you is not who your character is. That's not the first thing they notice. And so making sure that if something happens and he's asked, well, the teacher said that or they made me feel this way or or they said that. And I always remind him, especially when we're late to school, because he's like, oh, I've already been late. (laughs) If a teacher has an issue with you being late, you tell them they need to talk to your parent. You don't drive yourself. You don't do anything by Mm. yourself unless your parent is there. And so if they have an issue with you getting to school late, they need to talk to the adults in your life. Mm. So if he's at his father's or he's at my house, then it's like, okay, we have to step up and make sure that we speak up for you because they can't talk down to you. He told me a story recently that his teacher came up and saw that he had some sweets. He had cookies in his lunchbox. And the teacher's like, you shouldn't be eating that. And I was like, no, she's not giving you your lunch. She doesn't provide for your lunch. So when that teacher does that, if she is your parent, then she has the authority to do whatever and say whatever. She's not your parents. If she has an issue with your lunch, she can take it up with me. Yeah, I was like, excuse me? Who are you to tell me? (laughs) Take my child what they can and are not allowed to eat. Mm -hmm. Like, 
Because that judgment comes across always. And there's things that are told to kids because they the, the teachers have issues with it. They may be hot-headed because they've had multiple things happen. And the escape person is the child that's there that gets burnt of it. And it shouldn't be. You know, I never thought about that. How like if they do have a problem with a kid being late, it's usually like, shame on you, student. Shame on you, child. Like, well, it's not my fault. Like, but I don't want to like one throw my mom, my or dad, or you know, under the bus. And two, like, okay, like, what do I do? Like, that's such an awkward position but to put a kid. I don't think that's on a student though. But I feel like authority, like they typically write up a student mm-hmm. for something that is out of their control, or if they were walking. Okay, I mean, of course, there could be different scenarios, but I'm think I'm talking about the scenario where they're being driven to school or whatever the case may be, and it was out of their control, but it is typically, like, students are talked down to versus, hey, I respect you, like, things happen, you know, I, I'll have to send a note with you to home, like, let me send a, a letter or note to your parent to, like, hey, it's really important, whatever the case may be, but, like, be I grace. totally understand, right. you know, having a conversation with a parent versus shaming the student Right. And making them feel put in this awkward position. I didn't think about that. And I think that can lead to later down in life, like students might not like going to school because they're constantly dealing with that. Mm. So if you deal with that or address that early on, you're helping your student in the long run kind of get through not just preschool, but elementary school, through high school, even through college. Like I think a lot of college professors will also do that to students. And we know that a lot of things do happen during those times. So it's important to speak up early. You know what? I think that's why I really liked my graduate studies because my professors treated me as equals. And I was able to have like discussions and like really just genuinely learn together versus me being at a younger age, like in middle school or whatever, elementary school, whatever the case may be. And they're like, older than me, more authority. They have all this power over my environment and what I am and am not allowed to do. And I loved my graduate school because there wasn't that, you know, hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it had such a big impact on my learning. So, yeah, like I really appreciate this conversation because it makes me think of how not only how much influence a teacher has on their students and our children. Right. But also that authoritative dynamic that has such an impact on our students and their learning and everything. It's just, yeah, my mind's just, well, <laughs> Claudia, what about you? Did you want to add anything? Cause I'm, I'm sure there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. We can keep going into. Well, I was going to say that um, Olivia and I used to work together and I feel like we used to work well together because we share a lot of cultural beliefs a lot of cultural similarities and what she just said right now about you know based on your culture that's how you react and that's completely true you know like teaching your children that you have uh, authority to say things in a respectful way right um i remember my son faced an issue at school when he was in his sophomore year with his math teacher and there was something going on in the class and somehow the teacher said something along the lines about not belonging right and that word i think is very strong mm. and i 
ask him to explain like what what does she mean you know this you don't belong um you don't belong in the class you don't belong in the country you don't belong where right mm-hmm. be specific uh, be please. specific <laughs> and i ended up going to the school and ask for an explanation i'm like i'm in between what my son is telling me but i also want to hear your uh, your story right so it's really important to advocate for them right and but also to teach them that you can defend your point in a polite way. In a respectful way, right. too, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just staying there for a little bit, too. Um, I know we're kind of running out of time, but what are some tools or practices that parents can use to kind of bring up those hard conversations? I feel like especially when it comes to preparing for life after high school, right? That college prep or like, for example, that questionnaire, right? When they said, oh, like these are vocational, you know what I mean? These are the careers that you could go into, but you're like, I'm not really feeling that. Like, how do you have those conversations with your student, right? And also, how do you have conversations with your students regarding like people in authority, your teacher, your counselor, your principal, whatever, might not always have the answer for you right and you have to take that initiative like I guess you guys one who's gone through it one who's going through it right now how do you have those conversations with your students in supporting them through their college going process especially when it can be complicated when you're hearing one thing of hey you should go this path but your student wants to go another path or what if they want to take a leap year or I don't know you know I can start. My daughter didn't finish school. So she's 25 and she has not finished her degree. And we still have discussions about that. So it's keeping, for me, it's keeping the door open and checking in. So what is going on? What do you need to do? I recently started graduate school. I'm about to finish my first semester. When I started the process over the summer, when I knew that I got into the program, she quickly started getting her stuff together to figure out going back to school. So it motivated her without me having a discussion again with her. So I tread with caution with that aspect with her, but it's it's constantly checking in. When she went off to college, it was about making sure that you use whatever tools or things that you have available to you, whether that's putting a reminder on your calendar, setting timers, writing stuff down. Time management is very important during that time. Hopefully you have an idea as to what it is that you want to study and you don't have to explore what it is that you're going to be once you get to college because that helps along the way to facilitate things a lot faster rather rather than taking classes and changing majors from one to the next and then switching classes and then, you know, taking intro to this and intro to that or taking some of the core classes to things and then figuring out that that's not the route that you want to take. With her, it was a lot of exploring. When she was in high school, she did a volunteer where she was working with kindergartners. And she's like, mom, they come home with boogers. They are trying to (laughs) sneeze on you. She's like, I don't want any body fluids on me. I don't want to get sick. No. So the next year she volunteered and she did more technology stuff that was kind of hands off still around kids and things. Um, and so she's like, that was better. So it's, it's kind of figuring out what it is that, you know, intrinsically she was interested in that tied to what she said she wanted to be. Well, as I had mentioned, she wanted, she went into the program as an undergrad trying to get into an OT program, occupational therapy. Her auntie at the time was an occupational therapist who had her master's. And so we had discussions with her about how she did it, where she researched things. And so we 
provided resources for her so that she can ask questions. The school that she went to had an undergrad program that tied into occupational therapy. And so that was kind of facilitated for her to, to be able to do things. But then COVID hit. And so that the distance learning, the online stuff that switched things off and she lost interest, but hopefully she'll go back. But it's about getting to know your son, your daughter, figuring out what it is that they want. If you don't understand it, sitting with that uncomfortableness. A lot of the times we, when things get mucky and we don't feel comfortable, we push away from it. Shut down. Yeah, instead of getting into it. Um, During the pandemic, I started reading a lot of books that made me feel uncomfortable, that made me deal with things that I had to personally deal with. And that helped me be okay with connecting with being uncomfortable. Mm. We're trying to figure out and formulate questions so that I can have a better understanding for things and move forward. And I would encourage parents to do that. Just because you don't have the answers doesn't mean that you can't figure out who can connect you to get those answers. Drop mic. I swear, if you can repeat that again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. For me, I feel like uh, motivation is important, right? And reminding them of uh, their goals, right? I have uh, conversations with my two boys, letting them know that you can always reassess, right? So if you think you wanted to do this, but now you're not 100% sure, let's think about it, right? Let's think about it. Let's start looking for other resources. Like my son, I keep talking about my senior high school student, right? Um, He wanted to do architecture because he has always seen my younger brother who's an architect. So in a way, my brother has been his mentor. And my son always said that he wanted to do architecture. But now he's kind of like not 100% sure. And I said, I hope it's not about that uh, career assessment, right? Mm, Uh, Yeah. um, But it's always a good idea to take advantage of the different resources, whether it's, you know, a nonprofit, your your teacher, your counselor, take advantage of those resources that are available. Yeah. And even if you find out you don't like something, that's information. Mm -hmm. Right. Because figuring out that you don't like to do something is helpful to figuring out and getting to the answer of what it is that you do like. Shadowing opportunities. Because I'm even thinking what someone who wants to go into like the medical field, but they're like, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I see all those ER shows or whatever. And then they see blood like, oh, my God, I can't do that. You know, so that's interesting. Yeah, that is actually a really good point, because I sign up my son for an architecture high school program over the summer and he came back to tell me oh yeah it's it's exciting i really want to do architecture so yes that's a really good point so he likes it so tell him yes. to keep pursuing that <laughs> yes. forget the questionnaire they don't know what they're talking about the questionnaire cannot tell you what where you should or shouldn't pursue your career okay? i tell him this assessment is not going to define who you are you yeah. will define who you are yeah so as we wrap up, I just want to say it's important as for parents to lean on your communities of support. Um, that's important. That goes for both students and parents. And then advocate, advocate, advocate. Also, respect, respect, respect. Those three things are important and they are needed to push our society forward, push our parents and our students forward. And again, for the teachers out there listening, it's an equal job. We both are trying to do the same thing and help these students. So again, I want to thank both of you for joining us today. Thank you all for sharing all of your important information and just sharing your experiences as parents. I think it's insightful to listen to. And we hope to have you guys back for another part two because we, we still got a lot to talk about. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. 
we would like to thank our guests, Claudia Ali and Olivia Sanchez for joining us today. I would also like to thank ISAC for supporting us, the First Generation Scholars Network for encouraging us to put this podcast together. Thanks to our producers, Joey Lieberman and Matt Montez. Last but not least, we would like to thank our listeners for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us on our next episode. Bye, everyone. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not directly reflect the opinions of the Illinois Student Assistance Commission. We hope you enjoyed the episode and have a good day, everyone.